Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast with your host, Rajan Nanavati. Welcome back, everyone, to the Hail to the District podcast. Uh, I am super duper pumped about today's episode because not only is the start of the 2023 NFL season less than two weeks away, although I hate that the summer is ending, but it's still football season in less than two weeks. And not only are we going to spend this episode talking about our beloved Washington Commander, Washington Commanders, and yes, I'm actually far more inclined to use the name now that fucking Dan Snyder's gone, get lost, you know, so long and good riddance. Um, best of all, all of this, I finally got Pat to end his hiatus and jump back on the pod to talk Washington football, just like the old days, although it's not that old or so, but whatever. Um, so Pat, welcome back, man. Super excited. Yeah, pumped to pumped to dive back into this, and uh, hopefully at the start of I don't know weekly for the next uh, we'll say twenty one weeks. Yeah, twenty one. Uh, I think that would, twenty. Uh, we'll have, we have an extra week in between them, so we'll say twenty two weeks. Mm. Uh, uh, in a couple weeks, you know, we'll take the wild card off. Uh, we'll take the bye week off, uh, and we'll 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 do this all the way up to the, when we win the Super Bowl, and we say fuck you, Dan. See what we can do without you. Yeah, we'll we'll t- I'll give you guys tips on where to book your uh, where to book uh, reservations for wherever the fuck the Super Bowl is this year. I, um, I actually don't know. know. Yeah, I have no idea. It's usually somewhere random. I did uh, I did buy a ticket uh, to week three against the Bills though. Coming east for it. Did you really? Oh yeah. The uh, as soon as Dan sold the team, uh, my buddies and I were like, we got to go. Uh, so, so we're gonna go. I'm gonna come all the way east uh, uh, to do uh, to see. We play the Bills. Uh, it's I think it's homecoming game, uh, but like the Cardinals game's already sold out. So I'm hoping that uh, if we lose the Cardinals, we got big problems. We can get that later. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm fingers crossed. We'll be two and zero going to that game, uh, and that place should be fired up. I am. So, um, that's my hope. That's my hope. A good friend of mine is uh, is a Bears fan. Um, a long-suffering, long-time Bears fan. He's trying to twist my arm hard into going to the Thursday night game against the Bears. I think it's week five. And I, it's not that I don't want to go with him or don't want to go to a game. It's just that I still have FedEx PTSD in terms of it being so terrible. But, of course, Dan is gone, so that does change my sentiment. And then, yes, there is also the factor of, you know, if we got – I mean, if we do go 2-0, that everyone's going to be on the Super Bowl bandwagon. The ticket's going to be like $800 for, like, the nosebleeds. Yeah, well, they they're already too late because that bandwagon has left. Yeah, the Super Bowl is bust after the <laughs> undefeated preseason. Um, undefeated preseason, new owner. We've already won the Super Bowl. Uh, so, uh, all right. So, in the in the spirit of previewing this upcoming Super Bowl winning team, um, in the past, what we've usually done is like an offensive and defensive breakdown to format our preview or whatever you want to call it. But this time. I admittedly came up with something that's a little more gimmicky for this preview. I'll I'll fully own that in that we're going to be discussing or diving into the biggest questions that pertain to the 2023 Washington commanders or the ones that I think we think, however you choose to phrase it, that'll really define how this season turns out for them. Like, you know, them hoisting the Lombardi trophy in in mid February. Uh, So one way or another, I mean, it's pretty obvious. Like the first question of course has to be something pertaining to quarterback Sam Howell and the way I phrased it particularly after the aforementioned preseason and all the hype and everything that we had particularly after those first two preseason games because Howell obviously didn't play in the third was that is what we saw from Sam Howell that improvement that progression that growth however you want to choose to phrase that 
Is it real? Is the comfort level that we have seen from him with one NFL start, his second offense in two years already, is what we're seeing from him real or is it a mirage? Um, Pat, I'll, I'll let you jump in right away because he's your boy as much as anybody. Yeah. Yeah, I've been pro Sam for a while. I was pro Sam at Carolina, uh, which pains me as a UVA fan. I mean, I, uh, I, he's got, I think, all the tools you need uh, in a quarterback, but um, – even going back to like Haskins and back to Ramsey and, you know, all these quarterbacks we've had over the last bazillion years, quarterbacks in the league, like arm talent, isn't everything. We learned that with both the people I mentioned, but when you can put the ball in tight spots, you can be good. Like that is, that was, what do we always complain about Heineke or even later with Alex Smith? Like, yeah, sure. Maybe they knew the offense really well, like the back of the hand. We always would go like, Oh, great backup. We come in. They know the offense like that. But to be a starting quarterback in the NFL, you need to be able to put the ball on a dime only where the receiver can catch it, and only a handful of people can do that. Um, as an example, if you're on the opposite hash and you're throwing an out route, that ball has to be on a line on the outside shoulder. Like That's a throw that Heineke can't make, as an example. Yes. How can make that in his sleep? And everyone talks about the Dallas game when he hit Terry in stride just on an absolute dime of a bomb. Uh but the reality is that his best throw that game was probably the out route or comeback route to Dotson when he put him in his outside shoulder so Dotson could turn and run for another 10 yards. We haven't had a quarterback that can do that in a really, really long time. And I understand, at least from the semantics of it, that he's a fifth-round pick and all this fun stuff. That means but if you nothing. go back to his – it means nothing. If you go back to his sophomore year, which was 2020 – he balled out. He balled out as a rookie in the ACC, too. And everyone's like, well, look what he did his junior year. He lost Daz Newsom. He lost uh, – who was on that Diami. Diami, Michael yes, he Carter. Lost, yeah, he lost Diami, Carter, and uh, Devonta Williams. Like, all those – that talent was lost. But it, I don't even think that's the biggest reason he struggled that year. And I'm putting struggled in quotation marks. He still put up 800 yards rushing and 20-plus uh, touchdowns. But – the offensive line for North Carolina his junior year was a sieve. I mean, we're talking like four-string preseason game three bad. Uh, and as a result, he had to run the ball all the time, and he got beat up. I mean, he just constantly was hit. He ran for 800 yards. Uh, those numbers start dipping, and as a result, his his uh, draft stock dipped. And, like, you know, it's it's not lost to me that it would be, A, hilarious, and, B, just like the most perfect – ending beginning to the Dan Snyder era if we just stumbled into a franchise quarterback in the fifth round of last year that he uh, was the owner and then all of a sudden he's back or he leaves and, and Howell's like yep I'm a franchise guy year one um, the, the irony of that would be so exercising in the sense of like you're gone uh, and I mean, all of a sudden the, we have the, the story's perfect um, and I think you know look I'm a big believer I was a big believer last year I thought he should have I know Ron keeps putting his damn foot in his mouth. He probably should have started last year. Uh, but the thing I'm probably most excited about is we went all in on him. He's the guy. He knows he's the guy. And most importantly, EB, Bien-Ami, who's probably the most important part of our offseason outside of Josh Harris, uh, is going to tailor that offense entirely to Howell. Uh, and I think it's going to hum. I'm really excited about it. I think you hit on a couple of salient points that 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 hit a, that like popped at things in my mind so you were talking about you started with like the arm strength being overrated and or and then kind of like circled back on the other end and i was going to disagree with you when you said the arm strength is 
was overrated because my perspective, and I've said this many times in today's NFL game, that yes, growing up until I would say probably about 10 years ago, I would say arm strength was the most overrated attributes for an NFL quarterback. Like how many quarterbacks have failed because we were tantalized by the arm strength and the combination of athleticism that provided with it. Kyle Bowler, JP Lozman, Demarcus Russell. I mean, just the, 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 the list goes on and on and on and on of all these guys who are just these physical specimens who just couldn't do a damn thing with it. But Danny Canal, there's a real throwback one for you. But I think, yeah, Canal, wow. Um, I do believe the tide has turned in a big in a in a big way as far as you have to have that super freak quarterback in order to succeed in today's NFL game. Like I said, there's a reason why Mahomes is Mahomes is one of one, so let's put him aside. But the Josh Allen, Justin Herbert archetype is kind of what you need. And Sam Howell is not that, to be clear. But I think what was so indicative of him, the one throw that he made this preseason, it was I think it was the Ravens game, was that third and fifteen dart that he had to uh, to uh, Cole Turner, where like it Turner, was yeah. that he was after his terrible sack, after his terrible sack, the completely ill-advised decision, but that frozen rope that he put in almost triple coverage, that was the one that I would say as much as anything he's done this offseason that made me be like, that's 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 it, that's. I needed that because you made a great point. It's like Alex Smith could drive the cars when as well as anyone. Tyler, Taylor Heineke was so good at operating Scott Turner's offense, but there was that ability to deliver the rocket into the tight windows that was just sorely lacking. And Howell has that combined with what I mentioned in our notes as being this early comfort level in the offense where he's not skittish. His footwork is underneath him. He's progressing through the offense. He's taking the check down because the check down is the smart decision right there based on what he's seeing. And as he starts to develop more comfort in the offense, then he knows which buttons to push or where you can kind of get away with those YOLO throws or those throw it in a triple coverage and trust his arm throws. But point being, there's a progression from him that we're seeing that he, what we're seeing is not uncomfortable or like what he's seeing doesn't look foreign to him. He's, in command again no pun intended but he's in command of the operation around him and i think for someone again who started only one regular season game there's something to be said about that yeah i think uh well that throw he threw to who was it turner that it was who, who, um the other part about that throw that i loved and this has less to do with how as it does just the offense as a whole uh and i get it's preseason and i could be looking too much into it i mean that's kind of why I'm excited for real games so we can be like, oh, well, maybe, you never know. Uh, how many times last year was it third and 15 and we're, we're just throwing some wide receiver screen or like a draw yeah, play? Yeah. yeah, just something stupid. Uh, and, you know, it's just like, hey, punt, and let's pray our defense is good enough to hold them, which most times they were. But, like, I think that aggressiveness, that aggressive mind of the enemy uh, is uh, came out there. Like third and 15, put Howell in shotgun and let him rip it. Uh, and to your point, there's three defenders around there, and that ball could be in one place, and it was there in a hurry. And you have uh, that quarterback who can demor like that was so again, this is a stupid example, but I remember we were watching the preseason game against the Chiefs last year when we played them, and it was like the defense would get them in third and twelve, third and eleven, third and seven, third and nine, and Mahomes is just it was like he's ridiculous. He was just he would close his eyes and he was throwing and, and completing these throws. And it's it was the most demoralizing thing you've ever watched. Forget for a fan. I can only I mean forget for like how 
the players on the field must feel being like, how the fuck do we stop this guy from in the, the most adverse situations, let alone, you know, being a fan and just screaming from your couch and the ability to have that guy who can be like, nope, third and 11, I can go do some shit. I can kind of bend the matrix to my will, like a quarterback who's shown the ability to do that. Like, again, the guys that we've referenced, they couldn't do that. And then, you know, you had somebody with the physical talent of Haskins who just didn't have the brain. I mean, just didn't have two brain cells to rub together to do that. Yeah. I also think there's Ron. Every time Ron talks about how he says the same thing, he's like, keeps learning from his mistakes. Don't have to like correct him twice, which is great. That makes makes me happy. He's still gonna make really dumb penalties. He he does already. You can tell he likes to hold that ball uh, a little too long. Um, uh, he I, I won't call it happy feet because I don't think he's scared to get hit. I just think he holds on to that ball, hoping for that big play. I was gonna uh, say he made one of the Yolo throws. He he has a little bit of hero ball in him, and I do wonder if my hope at least is the joint practices after the, the Cardinals game. And then we play the Broncos and the bills. Like I'm, I'm hoping that kind of fades because I'm wondering if it comes from, he's got Dotson and McLaurin and, and Curtis and Logan. And, you know, like <laughs> I said for years, our wide receivers suck. And we need to change it. Now they're awesome. Uh, and he can't take a sack in practice. So part of me wonders if he's just sitting there waiting like he is in practice. Cause it's a mental rep so often of waiting for these guys to get open. Cause eventually they will. Um, uh, but that's my worry early on is he holds the ball too long. Now, I don't know what week one's going to look like. We might not even have a team to play against based on what the Cardinals are doing. Yeah, I know. Uh, but week two in Denver against a very good defense will be a very telling and eye-opening game, I think, to see where he really is. Um, and I'm really excited about it because, I mean, look, you could fucking put you back there, quarterback, and I'll be like, you know what? I like it. Rajon, he's 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 got it. he knows the playbook inside and out. Like I'll I'll convince myself of something. Uh, hell, I mean I thought Rex Trustman was going to lead us to the, uh, the you know all the glory. Uh, but I do I don't know. There's something about Howell that I really like. Um, and every time, kind of like Matt, we used to talk about this with with Heineke, and I hate to bring Heineke even into this conversation, but like. Heineke kind of sucked all the time, but then you get him in a two-minute drill when he didn't have to think, and all of a sudden he was really good. He could just go I out kinda, and put his, put his nuts yeah, out. Just, yeah. Yeah, yeah, just let him play. Anytime you put him in a structure, he was you know, throwing picks to lose games. But as soon as it was like, just fucking go, he was pretty – you know, he, he wasn't bad. I get the sense that Howell is going to be like that the whole game. Every time he drops back, I'm going to be like, all right, let's rip it. And I'm excited for that because we haven't really had that before. Hell, we've only had a quarterback throw 30 touchdowns at one time, and that was in 1967. You touched on a little bit with Howell in terms of like the shit that he went through at North Carolina. And I think his, it's not happy feet to your point, but I think his penchant for like hero ball way too long in the pocket just comes from that, again, PTSD habit, whatever you want to phrase it as, that he has to generate something big because he is the only source of offense. Like that's the scar tissue that he's carrying with him. Because again, once you lost your entire supporting cast, like he did between his junior and senior year, whatever the last year he was in college, like, yeah, the entire North Carolina operation as well as, as is well documented is like, Hey, go do something, go make something happen. Like Sam Howell, you're this alleged top 10 NFL draft pick. You are our entire offense. And I think he's still working through that as opposed to being able to, 
utilize this cachet of incredible weapons that he does have around him that we'll touch on in just a moment. I think the area that segueing from there, his one problem where he'll still have to overcome, and you know, pretty well documented for anybody who's talked to me and anyone who follows this team as well, um, you are still more bullish than I am when it comes to the offensive line. I will pretty much go on record as saying that our entire season will live and die with the play of the offensive line. I know that's not a stretch because they're welcome to football, but I think it's more so from the fact that our offensive line could be a certified tire fire. I think it's, it's has the potential to, I will say it's ceiling is probably middle of the road. And I think it's floor is bottom three in the NFL. And I think the real pain points for the offensive line in that regard, um, I, I have said this many times and I'll say this again, I think Charles Leno is a first-class, top 1% human being. I think Charles Leno is the type of guy that every NFL team would love to have in their locker room. I think he's so important in terms of like culture and being that old man on the mountain for other offensive linemen to kind of emulate and kind of ask questions for. I think he's garbage as a starting left tackle at this point in his career. He is a turnstile and he really, really struggles against speed rushers in particular. Um, he struggles so bad. I mean, if you want any example, like Aiden Hutchinson launched his entire career by stuffing Leno all game long in week two in his locker throughout the entire course of the game. Uh, and we did nothing. And I mean nothing to upgrade that or even – we didn't even ponder the question of should we upgrade our left tackle, which – it's one of those things. Ron has a bad habit. A lot of fans from Carolina will talk about this saying that, you know, he completely neglected the offensive line and he's carried that with him over here. Again, when it comes to left tackle spot, if it's way early to be talking about next April, but the fact that, you know, left tackle is already in glaring neon lights, our biggest need in the next year's in next year's draft, barring any change of circumstances. Anyway, Leno is a huge, huge, huge problem. And I believe he'll, be a huge problem entering this season. Zadarius Smith ate his lunch already in the first preseason game against Cleveland. So, you know, nothing changed there. And then the left guard spot next to him, you've got Sadiq Charles, who again is more your guy than mine, um, and Chris Paul. I don't know what to make with Sadiq Charles except for the fact that he's never available and he's always injured. And Chris Paul is a run blocker and not is a raw run blocker and a much less refined, even in that regard, pass blocker. So great. That's what we're trotting out for the left side of our offensive line. Uh, and we expect to kind of, you know, make our offense run with these significant questions. So fine. You've got those guys on the left side of the offensive line. Then you allegedly think that you have the right side of the offensive line figured out by signing Andrew Wiley. Well, if the early returns, and again, I know it's just the preseason, but if the early returns are something, we haven't done really shit there either because he hasn't looked good in the first half of the pre or the first few appearances that he's had this preseason. Um, let's not forget that there was some stat. I can't remember. I have to go pull it up. But there was something about him from Kansas City where he was really, really bad the first half of last year when he was with the Chiefs. And then he kind of came on in the second half of the year. There's a big part of me that feels like he has what I like to call Larry Brown syndrome or Larry Brown effect where he had one really good game in the Super Bowl and everyone's kind of making him out into be in something that he isn't because of his success in the Super Bowl. And he's getting a big fat payday and cashing in on that. And everyone's going to realize like, Oh, maybe he is the aggregate of everything else outside of that one good game. He had in the Super Bowl. I'm a little worried. He's there. I hope I'm wrong. I don't think I'm wrong. I think you agree with me in that regard. So that's our right tackle and Andrew Wiley. 
And then, you know, you have Sam Cosme. I think Sam Cosme will be fine. Fine. I think that's his ceiling. I don't think he's going to be a Pro Bowl guard. He's not going to make us forget Brandon Sheriff anytime soon. Uh, that's another defection from this team that still makes me very, very salty. And Nick Gates, I was very tepid on the Nick Gates signing when it happened originally. But uh, if nothing else, he's providing some nasty and some stability on the center position when we badly needed it. So, uh, yeah. Okay. So Wiley sucks. I agree. Remember the contract was up. We didn't give him anything huge, like eight or nine million gross. a year. But to be a starting right tackle, you know, the, the safety he gave up against the Browns, uh, and apologies if you just talked about this. No. Uh, it was pretty reprehensible. It was bad. Uh, all he basically had to do was not get beat to the outside. And w- literally, it's what happened. Like, you want to funnel guys into the middle when you have literally no room to operate. Uh, and he, he had someone there to help chip as well. So, not only that, but he had outside help and just. He got beat by like a ragdoll. He got crushed. I'm not as out on Leno as you are. I don't think Leno is exactly like. I mean, we were spoiled for 20 years between Samuels and Trent, uh, and Trent kind of breaks my heart to this day. Uh, he probably will. Trent probably will be like the biggest what if Redskin football team player. It is. Uh, it's like getting punched in the balls repeatedly. When I saw him again, the NFL top 100 is complete trash. I will say that as a caveat, but he finished, it was a, the number one offensive lineman, if I'm not mistaken, and B finished at like 15th overall or 14th. And I'm like, that one still hurts. That still hurts. But I think Leno gets a bad rap and I don't really know why. Maybe it's because he plays a left tackle position, but again, first class human being first class, great person, man of the year, perennial contender. I cannot say enough about the quality of human being that he is. And coming from the NBA, like in the end, from the NBA perspective, like they always say, like, you need to have that old head in the locker room who teaches the young kids, like how you got to do shit. Like Leno is that guy, the guy, the guy you want as your team captain. I think he's trash as a left tackle in today's game, plain and simple in terms of on the field production. So yeah, I mean, it's not, it's never good when his backup Lucas, it's like, who's better. I want uh, Lucas to start a left tackle. It, I'm so see, glad. I want, Lucas, said it. I want Lucas to, I want Lucas to start a right tackle. It's not a bad thought either. Uh, I mean, he's Lucas is like one of the most valuable players on our team. Uh, he's a swing tackle who can really hold it down in a pinch either side that we need him. But the problem with the offensive line, if you look at it, if you take a step back and look at the offensive line as a whole, right? Let's go left to right. You got Leno, which I, I believe he was a seventh round pick. You have Sadiq, who is going to be, assuming he starts, he's a fourth round pick. Uh, Gates. Is undrafted, I think. Undrafted. And don't forget Chris Paul, uh, contending with Charles, is also a seventh-round pick. Also seventh-round Right guard is Cosme, second-round pick. You could say, like, okay, you put some stock in him. But he was also drafted to be a tackle. tackle. And then Wiley's undrafted. So, like, you know, kudos to the undrafted guys. And there's a ton of undrafted wonderful stories in the NFL, some of which are even on our team. Seventh-round picks become all, you know, all pros. Shout-out Cam Curl. Uh but when your offensive line goes seventh round, fourth round, undrafted, second, undrafted, that's not a good thing. Uh, like the blue chip talent per se to be at that position in the NFL is just non-existent in our offensive line, and that scares the bejesus out of me. Especially because we just, especially because we just talked about how and how like he likes to hold the ball a little too long. Uh, that has a recipe to have David Carr written all over it. Now, how it could move a little, so I'm hoping that doesn't happen. I'm hoping it gets better. I'm also kind of low-key excited about the interior part of our line. But, you know, we're one injury from, like, being effed. That's my problem with the offensive line. 
they're not great. They don't have this blue chip pedigree, but like if something bad happens to Sadiq or Cosme or either tackle, like we're screwed. We have nobody. I mean, Lucas, I guess, uh, just he is super valuable, but like then you're relying on who? Stromberg, your, uh, uh, Paul, uh, like it's not good. Although we did bring back Marson today. There is a part of me that really wonders if the best offensive line, if not the line that ends this season, is left to right. I mean, my disdain for Leno as a player is notwithstanding is Leno, uh, Leno, Gates, Stromberg, Cosme, Wiley. Again, I'm not going to touch the Wiley thing again in terms of like whether he's the best. He's the best available option among the group right now, but. I, I'm very bullish on Stromberg. Very, very bullish. I think he he may have solidified the position for the next five years for us, if not longer. I mean, that's great. We took him in the third round as a center. Yeah. I mean, he better he better have solidified the damn position. I, I'm 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 pretty high on him. I actually really really like him. He is also <laughs> Rivera's got Rivera's putting his Rivera all over him. He's like he's playing guard in practice. He's center. I'm, I bet you he's even taking damn snaps at tackle because you know position flex. But yeah, I like Schnellberg a lot. Like all, he was the top-rated center in the SEC. I mean, that that alone should be like awesome. Yeah. Uh, same thing with uh, Rodriguez, by the way, highest-rated PFF uh, running back in the SEC. Uh, I'm gonna get to him in a second. Look, if the season goes south, it's probably because of the offensive line. Yep. It's the it's the make or break. Uh, I mean, even more than Howell, because I don't think the floor for Howell is nearly as bad as the floor for this offensive line. No, I think the floor for Howell is actually, in our in our terms, pretty good, <laughs> right? Uh, historically, particularly from what we've seen in recent years, can't be worse yeah, than Wentz. We, can't be worse than Wentz. Can't be. I mean, Heineke was fun and a flash in a pan, but like, let's be real, he wasn't that good. Uh, you know, even on Smith, just the stage turned into a pumpkin at midnight. It was fun yeah. as shit for those four hours while the party was going. But man, once it hit midnight, we you we were riding a fucking pumpkin. Like that's just what it was. His floor. My hope is is Cousins. That's what I hope his four becomes. Cousins' first year starting. Cousins' first year starting. He threw like twenty nine touchdowns, four thousand yards. Like Eb is going to chuck it, and and How has the receivers. That's his four team. We should be so lucky if the floor of our quarterback is a top fifteen quarterback in the NFL. We should be so lucky. I'm not saying Cousins now. I'm saying I know, like I know. Cousins' first year. I know Cousins now is pretty fucking good, even unless uh, at one p.m. on a Sunday. After he's prayed, uh, <laughs> not not Monday night, uh, but I don't know. I, the offensive line to me is like it's. I have high hopes for Sadiq. I've been I've been I've been hyping up Sadiq since the moment we drafted him. He's a wrong guy. And I, flex. Yeah, my my uh, buddies and I always say the cake's been baking. Like he's a fully baked cake now. It's ready. It's ready. He's ready to actually like let's do this. If he he's just got to stay healthy, he's just got to stay in the field. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's hurt. His his calves are too big. Yeah, it is something to him. The one optimistic point, and we touched on all of this, and there's so much you could gush about, is that, and you touched, you said this brilliantly, for the longest time we screamed about the lack of supporting cast, particularly at wide receiver, that this team has or hasn't had. And all of a sudden, you know, there was this moment about, it was about it was June, it was in the doldrums of the summer, where Warren Sharp put out his, like, positional rankings, and he ranked the commander's, like, supporting cast or pass-catching group at 20th. And Washington yeah, fans lost their shit about that. And that was the one time where, like, 
we should have lost our shit about that. And Sharp had to come out and post this video. And he's like, oh, I agree with my team. And you didn't consider this angle. And maybe Curtis Samuel's not a real receiver. And Logan Thomas is injured. And it's like, Terry and Jahan, just end of conversation. You were saying that the duo of Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson and whatever the else, fuck else that you want to say, regardless, that's the 20th best receiving group in the NFL. I'm sorry. And also a little disclaimer there, Warren Sharp did come out that that's not my rankings. That's my team's rankings. So there was also a little bit of separation with his name on it, with his name on it. Exactly. Right. Uh, Point being, uh, I I said this in our, in the NFC preview pod that we did, we were talking about this in our over-unders. Terry McLaurin is a bona fide top 15 wide receiver, if not higher at his, his floor is at his floor. Even if you want to be the most pessimistic person, he's a top 15 receiver, Jahan Dotson, there's a chance where he's we're looking at thousand and thousand receivers, thousand yard, thousand yard receivers, uh, pending the health of Terry's toe this year. Uh, Jahan Dotson looks prime for a breakout. He looks very prime for a breakout. I mean, that's should be obvious for anyone who's paying attention. Um, yeah, I'll just stop there. Yeah, I mean, I, I, w- I, I wish I knew how many times in our old podcast I would say our fucking receivers suck. We need to go do something about it. I was like trying to trade for Allen Robinson. I was like, whatever we got to do to get, to get any sort of offensive talent in here. And then, lo and behold, we draft a special teamer in the third round, turns into a top 10 receiver. One of my favorite parts about Terry, he was drafted for special teams, wasn't, wasn't supposed to be one of our main receivers at all. First game, first quarter, 75-yard touchdown against the Eagles on the road. I'll never forget it. We even didn't play him in the game preseason because everyone was like, don't tell anyone how good this guy is. I have to eat my. I have to publicly st- eat my L for like a like a Jameis Winston crab leg. Eat my L for the Terry McLaurin reaction. I remember when my friends t- texted me, they were like, "How is this McLaurin guy?" And I reacted with the vomit emoji in terms of like <laughs> when I thought of the pick. And uh, uh, this guy, hundred percent idiot, right here. Yeah, I'm my like, brother, my brother-in-law, who's a huge football guy, he's the one who actually texted me and he was like, because he's a big Seahawks fan and. I guess Terry had been working out with Doug Baldwin and he was like, Baldwin sings his praises. And I was like, Oh, okay. Maybe we're on some. Anyway, we lock into this. Just, he's going to end up being the number one receiver in franchise history. Art Monk's the hall of famer and like number one overall. But like, I think in terms of records, Terry, assuming Terry stays and EB can get this thing flowing a bit. I bet you Terry breaks all his records. Uh, as long as his damn turf toe is in that bed. Wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Jahan, he, Terry might be one. A he is one B maybe it's one A and one A, you know, I think Dotson's going to be – I think he's going to be, like, the darling of the NFL. Like, he – everyone – Peter uh, – what's his name? Peter Shager? Is that his name? Fuck Peter uh, Shager. Sorry. Well, That's just well like yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, he had top ten breakout players in the year, and Jahan was almost on his list. Everyone kind of knows it now. Washington fans really know it. But, like, everyone's kind of aware of it now. He's going to explode. I'm convinced he's going to explode. And the coolest part about him and Terry is then you have uh, Curtis – Who's like the perfect? Like they all complement each other. It's a, it's well balanced. Uh, yeah, it's well balanced. And then, who knows what happens with Diami? I mean, Diami might be now, something. They might that yeah. might be a thing. I know we've been riding that train for three years, but it might be a thing. Like, but I mean, he, he and Hal, he and Hal like each other. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, right? Like they they spend all offseason working together. Like there's the natural like professional chemistry or personal chemistry. Diami, Diami, however you pronounce it. Like there's something, right? I mean, the, the dude is still six two and four four for speed. Like he's still there's still tools there. It might we said this if you go back way into our archives of our podcast, we said it the day he was drafted. It's gonna take a while for him to develop because he ran a basic. He only ran offense. straight line. He just ran straight. 
like they gave him no route tree whatsoever, no development. He even said it. He's like, the only thing I have to learn how to do is run routes because I didn't do shit at North Carolina. Like they didn't teach him anything. He just ran fast and how put it on dime. Uh, I'm very excited about this Mitchell Tinsley guy. He had a great camp. Everything, everything. He, I mean, he might be. He might be Darnarian McCants. You never yeah, know. One of the Darnarian McCants, Sultan McCullough All Stars. Yeah. Who knows what? Who knows what he'll be? But I'm excited about him. Uh, Pringle, whatever. Uh, See, but, I like Pringle. I think Pringle's oh, one of those guys where he was always the sixth man on a five man team. But like, he was all he was always this guy. Like every camp he's been in, they're like, I like this guy. Like it's just I don't have a spot for him because he doesn't have the pedigree. I'm, like I'm more bullish on him than Mitchell Tinsley. You know, who Mitchell Tinsley also sounds like one of the guys who works for NBC Washington, which automatically makes me hate him. So yeah, uh, but the, uh, your boy Burgundy blog Brent or whatever his name is, he had a tweet the other day that was so spot on. He was like, Dax Milan is the new Ryan Grant. And I was like, that is so spot on. I like Dax. Dax gets shit. What? He sucks. I like Dax. Oh my God. He's just a fair catch. He, I mean, he, look, he can't return kicks. We know that, right? But like, I think he might be like the kick returner by default. Sure, sure, shit, don't have anybody else. But he is going to be that guy that he's going to get open on third and five, and you throw it to him, he's going to catch the ball 100 times. And that's all he's good for. That is all he's good for. That is his one single redeeming skill. I, I like he that. Has, as far as I'm concerned, he has zero redeeming skills. He can be punted off the team as fast as he wants. Although, I wanted that guy, Kaz Allen, to take his spot, but he dropped like three Kaz passes. Allen, but you can't he, be filled in. He like three passes and he, he fumbled a punt. Like, yeah, can't be on the team. This is random, but do you remember when uh, – Antoine Randall wants to feel the punt and hit him square in the face in the ball. <laughs> I do remember that. He just, he just whipped and hit him square in the head. I wanted uh, Antoine Randall to succeed so bad. I really wanted that to be a thing. Him, Moss, and my boy uh, Brandon Lloyd. B. Lloyd. B. Lloyd, yeah. yes. Who blew yeah. up everywhere except here. Yeah, he literally did blow up everywhere except here. Or mm-hmm. at least he had a sweet catch everywhere but here. Yeah. Uh, he, did. he has that catch where he's like fully extended, cheesing, looking at the camera. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. Didn't do shit here, but everywhere else he looked great. Well, our receivers are sweet, and our running backs are okay. So I think they're good. I like them. I like the group as a whole, but I don't think they're they're not as well good as the receivers are. I don't think Logan Thomas. I think we're we're trying to squeeze the last few drops out of the lemon that is Logan Thomas. Like I think just injuries have kind of squeezed him. They like, squeezed him out two years ago. Like I, I just don't think there's anything there. I am still, and I'm, I think you're probably in the same boat. I'm still one of the biggest John Bates supporters that there probably is. Like that guy's fantastic. I, dude, give him an extension right now. I love I Bates. Love that guy. I will. I, I I get violently defensive anytime somebody says a bad thing about him, and I'm like, I think the only knock on him is that he, they just don't give him enough chances because the guy guy can block his fucking ass off, and every time he throws the ball, he he's, catches he's it. A two, he's a just a small right tackle. I, I love him. And uh, I Cole Turner is kind of the opposite of Bates and that he can't block worth a damn, but he's that athletic archetype. I don't want to overblow it, but he fits that mold of what today's NFL tight end is where like, think of like, again, he's not Dalton Kincaid, but like, look at what the bills did to draft a guy like Dalton Kincaid, where you can play him at tight end air quotes, but really he's just a big wide receiver. Jordan like, Reed. It, that's it, Jordan was great. Ex- wonderful example. Wonderful, yeah. wonderful. Pull. That, that, that's it. Cole Turner he, is the kind of player that like, if in 10, 15 weeks we're, we're pumped on the team and they're doing well, Cole Turner is probably a big reason as to that, because that means their offense is really humming. I think Thomas is done. Uh, I think so too. If you look at his, if you look at his career as a whole, he's only really had that one really good year. 2020. 
And right now that looks like an outlier. So everyone talks about how he has the ability to high point the ball way better than uh, anybody else in the team. And we've seen him make catches in the back of the end zone where he goes up and gets it. Like he's really good at it. But he's only had one good year. He's constantly had been injured. Um, And those add up after a while. They do. And so I'm worried about him. Uh, Plus he's kind of old now. He's played what? I mean, he was he was he played his first years as quarterback, and then he transitioned to tight end. So he's been around for at least eight or nine years. I was going to say he was drafted in the early 2010, so it's got to be Bruce Arians. Bruce Arians drafted. Yeah, let's look at let's look Virginia Tech connection. How long has he been in the league? He's been in. The yeah, league he's thirty. He's thirty. He's thirty-two. So that adds up. And again, saying someone's thirty-two is old is terrible from our perspective, but like that that shit does so, add up. Also, calves are no joke. I tore my calf uh, like six months ago. And it took me a good full month. It's not like tearing your Achilles or anything like that, but it takes you, you know, a good month and a half to kind of get it firing you. Uh, so he and he's probably been out for about a month, month and a half now. So he, everyone keeps saying he tweaked his his calf. I'm like, no, he he probably pulled, straight up pulled it. Yeah. Uh, uh, or tore it of some, you know, probably a minor tear within it. Either way, so, that calf is is ginger and it's been bad for a while. A bit. A little bit of the Joe Burrow injury right there. Yeah, when's Burrow back? Is he back like in a few he's weeks or is he allegedly, back? Sorry, allegedly today was his first day of practice, if I'm not if I read correctly. After his like his, the first opening day of practice, the first day he's actually practiced again was today. The NFL, the NFL's in love with Burrow, but they're missing the real the best quarterback in the league. He's actually in DC. Here he comes. Uh you touched on running backs, so I'm not quite as bearish on the running backs as you are. I'm I like not the, really, I like the running backs. I just I just think they're kind of meh. They are, but like I think I think Brian Robinson so okay, a couple things. Love Robinson. Brian Robinson was like when once he hit his stride after the the un, unfortunate gunshot wound incident. Like, I thought he was a monster. Like, I think it was the Packers game where he had some runs. He had some grown ass man runs in those. I mean, and then maybe it was the game after that where like there was a few games where like this dude's a fucking bowling ball. Like he's great. He is limited in terms of his upside. He's he's that old joke. He's like he'll get you he'll get you five yards on first on second and four, and he'll get you five yards on first and ten. He'll get you five yards on third and seven. Like that's that's just Brian Robinson's game, which is great because he's getting you five yards every single time. But is he the one of the dynamic, great game breaking type of running backs? No, just full disclosure, he's not. The irony of all irony is that two years ago, and if you go back and listen to some, or three years ago, or however long it is, if you go back and some listen to our pod, we all thought Antonio Gibson was that guy. Yeah, I was hyped on him. He always finished runs really well. There was so many great things about him. And I think John Kine made this point in his pod where in one of the recent episodes, I think the coaching staff did a tremendous disservice to Antonio Gibson in terms of his development and that they talked about in one hand, they wanted him to be Christian McCaffrey. Then they talked about another hand where they wanted to put on 10 pounds of muscle and be much more of a durable back. Then on another hand, they were like, well, he needs to focus much more on ball security. And I think they just fucked with his head the whole time. And they never really established a pure role of what they want him to be. And the result, you got a guy who's kind of good at everything or like dabbles in everything and good at nothing. He does fumble a lot. He does. Also, a reminder of how terrible Turner was. I don't know. I, Gibson, he's fine. He's similar to Brian Robinson to me. It's just like, he he's fine. I, I do think... He's still we've a 230 never, pound never, guy with four four speed, maybe sub yeah. four four speed. The specimen is there. We just never figured out. We never unlocked never, it. Yeah, and that's what I hope EB's there for. Um, I don't know what kind of role he would play uh, from from Kansas City or who would have been a similar player to him. But you know, I often forget, and we we preaching this a lot early in his career. But he, this is year four. It's his last year of his rookie contract. He was still drafted, and he was a receiver. That's always kind of been his strength. Yet we have always been like, no, you're a three down back. Uh, go, go, go. And it, when he was a rookie, 
uh, we had Barber, which made Gibson, I feel like, better because we didn't have to bring him in for any short yardage distance because your boy Robinson might get me five yards a pop. My boy Barber's getting me 1.3 yards per carry, no matter the down and distance. I said so many uh, terrible about Peyton Barber until I left and I missed him so much. Yeah, because every fourth and one, he's picking it up. And Antonio Gibson would just run his, run his nose and just straight into the offensive line and butt crack. Yeah, he can't do it for whatever reason. I think the running backs as a whole are pretty good. Like, are we a top 10 running back room in the NFL? No. No. Are we a bottom 10 running back room? No. No. They're – they're good. They could be great. You know, if they're great, if Robinson is first and second down, like doesn't get hurt, fucking just goes. That allows Gibson to take on the more of McKissick role, which I think he'd be very, very good at uh, and more durable. And then you have Rodriguez. You know, I, I like the way he ran in the, in the preseason. He, uh, I mentioned earlier, he's the highest rated running back uh, in the SEC. I miss John. Was it Jonathan Williams? That was his name. I miss him. You know, I like Jared Patterson a lot, uh, but like this is a good thing when you have players that are good cycle out and you bring in new talent. So we'll see what they do. I think Chris Rob. I mean, I, this could be my bias again. I think Rodriguez has really deep sleeper potential, and I'm not talking about fantasy for football. Like I think as actually a football player, like the only reason, or I think the the major reason that that he fell to the sixth round was because I think he had a DUI on his profile, his draft profile, and teams got spooked about his character. But this was a very potential day two pick if that character blemish wasn't there. You talked about, I think it was first team SEC running back or some very highly regarded player. And again, just from the what we see on the field, he's good. Like he's actually a good football player. Like he's not just, I mean, you know, I've ranted pretty well in the last couple episodes we've done about the value of a replacement player level of foot uh, at the running back position. That's why nobody's getting paid. But there is something to him. I mean, is he elite or special? I don't know. That's, that's of course, to be seen and probably not, just statistically speaking. But I think there's something there. I think, if nothing else, he will serve the big uh, short yardage back capacity very well. He can catch out of the backfield better than people of his archetype generally do. I don't know. I think there's something there. Point being that if he is the 1B to Robinson next year, I would feel very comfortable with it. Yeah. I mean, Gibson's gone. Like, yeah. This is his last year. If he wants to get paid, then he needs to play well. But I guarantee you, we ain't being the team that's going to pay him. They they drafted Rodriguez for a reason. They know Gibson's leaving. I would be very surprised if he was here next year. Washington Uh, very much drafts a year in advance for people's replacement. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's smart. I mean, poor running backs, but like they're a dime a dozen. That puts a cap on the offensive, offensive group. I was going to say, should we segue over to the defense? You want to start with the linebackers or do you want to start with Chase Young? What are you thinking? We can start with Chase. Okay. All right. So I think I think we're on the same and different, if that makes any sense, ends of the spectrum on here. So since the day we secured the second overall pick in the draft, I have been on Thanks, my soap. Thank you, Giants. I have been on my soapbox that uh, any time anybody said we should draft something other than Chase Young or somebody other than Chase Young, since the January before the draft, I was irrationally against that idea. We drafted Chase Young, obviously. I still remember the assholes at, 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 uh, at NBC Washington were like, no, we should trade down that pick and we should get like seven extra picks because that always works for teams when they trade a high pick and get like five extra picks. Just ask the Raiders how well that worked when they, you know, when they got three first round picks for the, I think it was a Khalil Mack trade and all of them are gone now, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. 
Young obviously had a very interesting rookie year in the sense that he was really good. I think he won defensive rookie of the year, if I'm not mistaken. It feels like an eon ago now. He did. Then 2021 struggles really badly out of the gate, then tears his ACL halfway through the season. I don't know what it is about Washington fans, but we love to write off busts and like declare a guy a bust as soon as he starts fucking up for whatever reason. And we want, we're almost actively rooting against him. And I have felt a long way up for a long time that that's how people feel against Chase Young. Like they're relishing in his shortcomings. We, and maybe the fact that we were comparing him to like Nick Bosa and Joey Bosa and, and maybe Mosquera before that, like that was probably also, you know, not a detrimental point being is that, all right, he said a full offseason to not only rehab, but fully recover from the knee injury that was a lot worse than people realize. He's coming into it. He they, we declined his fifth year options, and now he's financially incentivized to really go out there and prove that he's worth it, that he's worth whatever he just thinks he deserves to get paid. Instead of being like looking for reasons for him to fail, like with the stinger injury that he had, I think against the Browns or whatever, like just realize that if he succeeds, one, there's a ton of potential for him to succeed and we still haven't fully scratched that yet and two if we do we have a premier player at one of the most important positions in the league yeah i mean i'm, I'm not disagreeing with you i totally agree with your take that we should have taken chase young we, we should have taken chase chase young 10 times out of 10 anyone who says we should have taken to or herbert like yeah sure hindsight we definitely should have but in that moment in time not a soul was taking anyone other than chase young uh, plus, add in the layer of like Del Rio took uh, Peppers first. He took Von Miller first. Like there was also precedent for our staff to take the hyped edge rusher first. That said, I do think it's worth a conversation about like who Chase Young is. Is he going to be this like generational player that we all hoped he would be, or is he going to be you know clowny but not even as good as clowny? Uh, He's not Jadavion Clowney. I think the next time Jadavion Clowney has eight sacks in a season is the first time Jadavion Clowney has eight sacks in a season. Like Clowney's it'd always. Also, it'd also be the first time Chase has had eight sacks in a season. I thought he had in his rookie year, Chase Young. No, he had seven and a half sacks. Look, I don't know what Chase's deal is. I want Chase to be awesome. I genuinely like, I really like him. Uh, I like his kind of attitude, for lack of a better term. If our team wants to take a big step, we need someone who's like him to be the, like the guy and just like put the team on his back and become defensive player of the year or whatever, like what we thought he could be going into his second year. But if you take away his first two games of his rookie year, he will have played in 25 games and he will only have <clears throat> seven sacks total. That is a lot of games with not a lot of production. And you can make any argument you want about him. Here, the reality is, is when he's on that line, he has two potential all pros playing defensive tackle. And another dude who's just equally as freakishly athletic on the other side of him, he's getting like there are times his rookie year, if you go like where the team double teamed him, in fact, the Giants triple teamed him one time. But teams stopped doing that and weren't scared of him. And those first nine games of the 2021 season, he wasn't that good. He had only he had a second and a half. There's he only no... had a second half and rarely was ever close to the ball. Like everyone kept being like, Yeah, but look at his run defense. Yeah, I don't give a shit about your run defense. You're paid to sack the quarterback. There are two arguments they cannot refute and you touched on the first one right there in terms of like the what the detractors have he was not good for the first half of the 2021 season he definitely read his press clippings after his rookie season he was not good i mean and and then obviously it culminated with the injury i also think there's something to be said about the fact that last year 
you know, we talked a lot about in 2021, we're like, why did the defense take a big step back? And Ron talked about this a lot, both on the maturity aspect, which was a veiled shot at Chase Young pretty overtly, not even that veiled anymore. But he also talked about the rush discipline or the gap integrity on the way. And I think that was a big shot at Chase Young as well. It's not lost that last year's gap integrity, rush lane integrity, whatever you want to call it, that the team had was the season that Young didn't play. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, unfortunately, a fact is a fact, or you know, those two things are not unrelated to each other. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason. There's a reason when someone like Two Hill came in, you're like, yeah, not great, but like all of a sudden, he did everyone's his job. playing their assignment. He did his job, and like that's why I brought up Payne and Allen because like they're gonna eat people in the middle of that line. So as long as the defensive ends do their job, we should be okay. And like you're gonna get sacks naturally that way. And it's like when you can put it all together and become. I, I have who knows what how many sacks like Bosa would have on our line because he he would get a lot of freedom, uh, either Bosa for that matter. I think at the end of the day, my hope with Young is he is the guy that we drafted. Uh, although I'm a bit worried he's going to start the year on IR because IR. yeah, well this Stinger thing, Ron's being pretty sketchy about it, and uh, we are notoriously sketchy about re- reporting our injuries. Yeah, I'm worried about it. Let's just put it that way. I mean, look, he went back and trained with the like guru guy at Ohio State, whatever his name was. He went back to his roots. He clearly worked hard to come back. To your point, his knee injury was pretty horrific. And I'm a big believer that, like, if our defense wants to become special, he's the one that has to elevate. And I think Uh, the the calculus is very simple, and I think anyone knows that it's not exactly a secret. If Young balls out, there's there's one bag to be earned. If Young balls out, the bag goes to Young. Yeah, it's Young or Sweat. It's Young or Sweat. Who wants it? If Young doesn't ball out, that bag is going to Sweat. It's just one bag to be earned. There is no calculus where this team keeps both. So yeah. they're fighting for one for one payday. There's also well, there's there's the world where so the not picking up the fifth year option was straight out of the pain playbook. They didn't pick up his play, uh, fifth year option either, and all of a sudden he eleven half sacks and you know I don't think he was an all pro, but he should have been. been. Yeah, uh, and that's my favorite player on the team. He's gonna ball. Never worry about it. So you have that same aspect here with Young. I do think. There is a world, a potential world, where if we're really good and Hal balls out, this is a big if, by the way. If Hal balls out, you could even call this a take. You you tag Sweat and you pay Young or vice versa, and you keep him another year knowing you're paying Hal only a million dollars next year. There's that angle that you could do, but that it's only gets you two more years. But your your point about there being like one long-term deal, 100%. And like, I'm not even sure we should pay either because we got to fucking pay Cam Curl. <laughs> yeah. Curl, they're fucking around too much with Curl's contract. We'll get to the secondary in a couple minutes, but they're fucking around. Like uh, that one should have been a no-brainer. Let's get that done as almost as much Although as the Fuller, layup. Like Fuller comes off the books, I think, and that could be where some of that money goes. Yeah, but that should have gotten done as quickly as we did for McLaurin and Allen because while he's not as much of a stalwart, he's not far behind those two guys. Like no, a lot Curl's of people think like, Curl's a lot of people think Curl's the most important player on our defense because he's the one communicating everything. I mean. Last year when uh, we got hurt early on and we had to put Jamin at the mic. Uh, who am I thinking of? I can't remember who our linebackers were last year. Anyway, there was a big problem about Jamin being the mic and not being the outside linebacker. We talked about length as a rookie. I even called him a bust, uh, and he still might be a bust, I might add. But they were so worried about it that Curl ended up being the one to call the place. He had the green dot on his helmet because uh, he ended up being the quarterback, essentially, in the defense, not the middle linebacker, which is what's normal. 
let's unpeel the Jamin Davis onion a little bit or the linebacker onion. We've yelled about this for three oh, years. City. So we don't we don't need to go for too far down this rabbit hole. I put it as a question. I don't even think it's a question anymore because as I wrote down the notes, I think this team is just going to run five two four or five one five like they've done in the previous years. The, I think the Barton signing is so far early is meh. Like he hasn't done anything to stand out. I think it's. Just I think there's. Things. I think there's something to the Jabril Cox signing today. I think so too. I actually I think, I think he's going to be on the team shortly. And fourth round pick LSU, like they don't, they don't usually miss in terms of like the athletes they put out. I, I would not be surprised if he contributes this season. I, I liked it too. I was. Yeah, I bet you he's playing real snaps by like week eight. I would not bet any money, any sum of money again uh, against you. Not, not even a single solitary penny. I, I saw that and that my eyebrows perked up on that as well. Jamin Davis, I'm just going to say this as candidly as I can. Ron missed. Ron got infatuated by the fact that Jamin Davis was had two military parents, so he allegedly came from a good household. And of course, Ron loves the military thing from a you know from an obvious perspective uh, for the obvious reasons. And he needed a linebacker, and he liked the physical archetype, and he thought he could mold him into something. He thought he could turn him into Shaq Thompson, and who was the other weak side linebacker that they had for years, whose name is escaping me right now in Carolina. Yes. Thomas Davis, thank you, right? So he thought he could turn him into that. It was a big swing and miss, particularly when you go back and look at guys, the guy who I wanted, Jeremiah Orosu-Karmoa, among others, right? Like, it's just a miss. And then this whole, like, speeding thing where he legitimately may go to jail for a period. No, he is going to go to jail. We just don't know when. Right. Uh, yeah, I think the conviction's coming tomorrow. To, we're recording this on Wednesday evening, so I think it's actually literally coming out tomorrow. Yeah. Um, He's tried to get a jail, like, three times, and the judge is like, oh. no. You need. He was doing something like a. First of all, it's a second offense. Like you. Yeah, he was involved in the crash where uh, the girl he died. Was right? Either either right in front or right behind um, Everett. The uh, what's his name? The Shazer Everett, right? Shazer Everett. Yeah, he was involved in that incident when Everett's girlfriend, fiance, whatever she was, died. And there's some. There was another incident in between. And this was like he was going like a hundred and forty or something like that. Like yeah. some like Pat. Something stupid. And, and like. The biggest reason we drafted him is like high character guy, two military parents, high character guy. It's like, what the fuck is this? Where's your character here? Right. And it's like, uh, and on top of that, like he uh, apparently he just doesn't understand football. And again, I'm the one on record saying it's going to take him a long time. He hasn't played, barely played. But at this point in time, look, you're professional, you're entire, like, you're about to throw it all away. He did have a ton of glimpses in the second half of last season. I fully concede that. Yeah, he played, he but, played well at the end of last year. Everything that you hear from the preseason reports are that he's running with the twos because he's behind again. I've yeah, so I've read the same stuff that like everyone's kind of like, uh, there's a guy I follow on Twitter, or we guess we follow on Twitter, uh, named Manny Manny Bitten, I think is his name. Yeah, yeah. He's a great follow. He doesn't tweet very often, but like he's a smart dude. And he pulled out a tweet going into uh it was about Sam Howell, it wasn't about Janet, but I think it I think it plays here. Uh, this idea that like pay attention to the reports you get in training camp because like nine times out of ten you'll talk yourself out of them but they're probably accurate <laughs> and there are no reports about Jamin. Every once in a while he gets like a oh Jamin pop today but like you want your starting middle linebacker or I guess outside linebacker whatever he's gonna play the five one whatever it is you want his name mentioned way more than it is and it's he's not and and then like the, like Cody Barton I, you know he's a Former Seahawk, I know he's similar to Jamin, the fact that he can run forever. But, like, is he a starting caliber linebacker? I don't know. Then you have Mayo, 
the real sleeper on the team is Hudson. You know, I think he he played really well in that Dallas game last year. I think Ron really wants him to be good. I, think I wouldn't Ron, be so, that's a great way of putting it. Uh, yeah, I, I think uh, I could see him kind of taking over. But even if Jamin's okay, he's a bust. He's a first round draft pick who like we're not gonna we're not gonna when we don't pick up his fifth round option, it's not gonna be a story. People are gonna be like, all right, whatever, moving on. It would be the uh, biggest travesty if we did pick up his fifth year option. Like it would yeah, be the biggest. That's the thing. Joke. It'd be it'd be more of a story if we picked it up than if not. Yeah, and that's like, I will give our team the, the Dan Snyder years. There are very few things I'll be like, good job. We for the most part did pretty well in round one. Yeah, we've missed. Dotson sucked. Jamin's terrible. But like for the most part, we've done pretty well. I mean, hell, we drafted Trent Williams. Like, come on. Uh, uh, Kerrigan was good. Um, you know, Chase Jerry's out, but should be, I think, should be good. Allen completely snake, snake bitten in the second round. We are completely snake bitten. Snake, second round doesn't count. Third round, we're gonna find the best player on our team. Yep. And then pray we hit again in the seventh round. Every mm-hmm. other round, every other round is just non-existent. Yeah. Uh, uh, we the first seventh round. Actually, alarming how bad we are in the second round. Shout out to Fedarian Mathis, who is going right down that path again. Dude, he got put on an hour today. I think yep. he's played like a quarter. Yeah. Um, that was a gross. That don't forget. Let's let's not. That was to that. replace Payne. That was a Duran <laughs> Payne replacement. That was our preemptive Duran Payne replacement. Look how oh, that we got worked. we got Ridgeway out of it. Ridgeway's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, we got Ridgeway because uh, the Cowboys cut him too fast. Yeah. Same thing with uh, Jabril Cox. Yeah. So you know, it's the second straight year where if you, you know, gun to my head, if you told me what's the worst unit on the team, I'd probably say linebacker. Even more so than offensive line, I don't think the offensive line. I would agree with you there because at least there's some positives you can point to in the offensive line. Like May has still got to play. He sucks. And that guy runs a 40 yard dash in an hour and 40 minutes, and he still is still on the team. The only good thing I can tell you about is Bostic's gone. (laughs) That's about all I got. Was Bostic the one who's going to have the sticker and then he didn't, or was it somebody else? I can't remember. I don't know. I don't know. Bostic. Bostic was so bad. I couldn't watch him. I literally every time he did something wrong, which was pretty much every drive, I was like, "Rogers gonna take me." I still remember David he, Mayo being turned around in space in the the Detroit game, where they're just like, "It's like, it's like, um, it's like a guy is that running." When Swift fell. Swift Swift fell down. Got up and ran for a touchdown. Like you know those scenes where like you have like a guy running through traffic and there's just cars whizzing by him. That was like other players on Detroit's offense, and like David Mayo was stuck in the middle, like just like not knowing where the hell everything was going. That that was him. And yeah, being like it was like they were playing at a completely different speed than him because you know he he has um, cement in his shoes. Let's get to the secondary because uh, there's obviously more positives there. Plus the second round pick segue as well. So I usually like to complain because that's what I do when in terms of like the picks that we made. But when they selected, so we'll start with on top. I, my friend John and I talked about this. It's like look, nothing against Manuel Forbes. Love the pick. Hope he balls out. Hope he has seven more pick sixes this year. Obviously, rooting 150% for him. I was a Christian Gonzalez guy. He was my number two overall pick, overall player in this entire draft. I'm just going to put that out there. I hope I'm wrong, and I genuinely hope you I'm wrong. You draft by the Patriots? Yeah, you right, the pick after. That's the one where, where Belichick knew he could trade down from 15 to 17 and get behind us because he knew, like, he was like ironclad, they're taking Forbes, and I can still jump yeah. back. And I can take. And I can there were it. there was there was an odd number of people that knew we were going to take Forbes. Yeah, there was uh, a lot of people. Which uh, Ron's yeah, not good at, t- at holding his cards. He's not good at that. He, I he's. No, not. The whole world, the whole world knows that right now. 
But when we picked uh, Joe Tavis, Quan Martin, however you choose to phrase it, I was like, that was a good pick. Like he was a pr- consensus, consensus top 50 player. That, that Illinois secondary was awesome. Very well coached. Um, and like all, I mean, again, uh, you can take draft Twitter with a, with a big grain of salt. If you go back and look at everything in the piece, smart people and trustworthy people who talked about him, they're like, no, this guy can play. And he's a very versatile piece. So those are the new guys added. And then you have the emergence of Derek Forrest as one safety, Cam Curl, we just talked about as the other safety. And then let's not even mentioning uh, Kendall Fuller and, and Brandon St. Juice. And Brandon St. Juice, that was another guy I was like, I thought it was a little bit of a re- reach. He has emerged into something. He's there are, there are plenty of people who will tell you he may be the best player in the secondary he our season in my opinion turned on two plays last year both against the vikings there's the heineke pick in the fourth quarter and i think we were up 17 14 and the vikings had all the momentum they picked him off like right away went down scored to the lead eventually win 21 17 maybe but in that same game i believe is in the first half saint juice jumped or was pretty physical with jefferson picked it off and took it to the house and he got called for pass interference and to this day, I'm like, that's not pass interference. Nope. Like I, you know, I, I'm Shit. no football expert, but I won't forget that play because he very clearly picked that and took it to the house, and it should have been ours. Like, we we should have been up multiple scores. So um, I forgot about this for a little while. So do you know Drew McGarry? Like, he used to work for uh, – what did he work for? He worked for yeah. Deadspin, right? And now he works for Defector, and he writes this great series of, like, why your team sucks. And he just rips on every single team in the NFL, right? It's hilarious. Some of the best writing Redskins ever. Is must, Redskins is must-read because of uh, old Danny Boy. Because of old Danny Boy. And he, was a, he lived in D.C. for so long. And I just read his Vikings column about why your team sucks. Like, I read, like, two or three days ago. I stumbled upon it. And he mentions that he was, like – the only reason we beat Washington was because there was a pe- pass interference penalty that Justin Jefferson got away with because he's Justin Jefferson that should have been called that wasn't called. He, the Vikings fan called it out, and I'm like, I'm glad we're not the only ones. Yeah, dude, I, I won't forget that play because I, I remember it being like, wow, he just locked down arguably the best receiver in the league, then took it, then picked it and took it to the house. It was an incredible all around. There was also play, a but I think touchdown that Jefferson had in the corner, which. Maybe two Same receivers juice. in the NFL may come down with that 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 uh, that touchdown. Otherwise, St. Juice blanketed him. He was all over him. Yeah. Perfect coverage. It was just Jeff- Justin Jefferson to Justin Jefferson things. Continue. Yeah. You could make an argument that we didn't really talk about the defensive tackles. I don't know if you're saving them for the last or if they're just so good we really need to talk. about I didn't it. think it was worth talking about the Allen and Painter studs. Allen Painter studs. Ridgeway is pretty good. Also, Payne shout out best player in the world. I think you could make an argument. I think the defense tackles, they're a heartbeat of our team, the best part of our team. But I think there's something to be said that the, the secondary is nipping at their heels as being just as good. There is an element of, like, they got to prove it, right? St. Juices has to stay healthy. Forbes has to actually play a real game. Martin can't be getting beat left and right, but he did make a sweet pick against the Ravens. Uh, even though he got, he got burned on that. He has struggled a lot. Uh, that, 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 yeah. that interception was a big redemption. Like, he struggled a lot. But, but just – it's just early. look at the look at the corners. You got Forbes. Um, everything I just said. Pay attention to what people say in the training, uh, training camp reports. Every everyone's like Forbes is really good. Forbes is good. Forbes is good. I don't. I'm. I hate the like footballism of like. Oh, he's a ball hawk. I hate that. Like you can either pick it off or not. Uh, and, I also fully uh, admit that the interceptions are such a variable stat. I hated the idea yeah. that like we drafted him for like interceptions, and I'm like, 
David Amerson had eight picks a year at NC State, and he was like exactly. the worst corner. Exactly. I think it was Burgundy Blogs who literally tweeted that right after we drafted Forbes. They're like, remember Amerson? Didn't we do the yeah, same yeah. thing there? Wait, that whole draft, we took the dude from Boise State. We took uh... – I will never – don't don't slander Bakari Rambo. Do not slander oh, Bakari Rambo. So <laughs> great name. Do not slander sure. Bakari Rambo. Uh, yeah, great name. He's like the Schachowskis and things. Funny name, serious sandwich. The other way around. Uh, but Forbes could be good. Uh, Sanji says stay healthy, but everything I've read, seen for three years now, is like this guy was good. The only reason why he was kind of, I think we drafted him in the third round, again, not a third round pick, uh, is because he retired from football and then came back with Minnesota. But he was at Michigan and pretty well liked, from what I understand. Uh, then you have Fuller, shout out, another third round pick. Fuller is the captain of the secondary, and he's not the best. I think he's probably lost a step or two, but his anticipation is incredible. And he knows when we sit in zone, he's about as good of a zone corner as there is. Absolutely. Then you got Holmes, who's not bad. And then I think Danny Johnson, like every time he has to play, he plays he's fine. pretty well. He's yeah. fine. He's like our eighth string, not literally, uh, but he's like our third string corner. And like every time he plays, I'm like, mm, Danny's not bad. There was a uh, bunch of people who were like fighting about who are like the the fifth and sixth corners that Washington to keep, and they're like, "Should we keep Danny Johnson?" I'm like, "Why the fuck wouldn't you keep Danny Johnson? He's fine. He's, he's he popping every game. He's in. popping every game." And then you get into the safety position, which like for as many years as I ranted about how terrible our wide receiver position was, you on the flip side ranted about how terrible our safety position was. And now all of a sudden it's like, okay, we got Martin, very interesting. Forrest, low key, might be pretty good. We have Curl, safety in the league. P but. All it's pretty good. Jeremy Reeves, all pro. Fucking all pro. All pro Revo. Right? Um, so it's it's an exciting and what's really exciting about it is the defensive tackles. Because if if the D tackles and D ends play the way they should, those guys are gonna get their chances, which is still amazing to me that last year we only had like 13 picks or something. And that's literally the reason Forbes was drafted. But I really like him and I like I fully anticipate our defense to be top ten. And uh, I said that two years ago, and they weren't very good. But this defense is top 10. Everything that I see is like it's built the right way uh, from the inside out. Still amazed that there's only 13 picks last year. But, like, Forbes was drafted to help fix that. Martin was drafted to help fix that. If the Cardinals don't score a point opening day, like, I won't be stunned. So I'm glad we touched on this, particularly after the Colt McCoy release, which I was – I was floored by not that Colt McCoy is, you know, is, is Drew Brees by any stretch of the imagination, but it's like, that's pretty openly admitting that you're tanking. Cause yeah, I mean, that's, that's signaling the surrender flag as, as you know, prominently as anybody can do. Cause now you're starting, I don't even know who it is or Clayton tune. Like that's literally who their decision Dobbs, is. Dobbs, or that Josh guy. Dobbs. Yes. Yeah, thank you. Dobbs or, or cartoon network, whatever. You yeah. Know. Like it is, so fitting that instead of having to play like the Eagles on the opening game or like the Chiefs in the opening game or something like that, we have the proverbial Coppin State Southwest, you know, Arizona community yeah, college yeah. to start off the season, right? Like we have a tune-up game. How Terry, rare is Terry, can, Terry cannot play in that game. They need to put Terry in bubble wrap. If we win that game nine to seven without Terry, wonderful. That is best case scenario. That is yeah. Absolutely. Well, best, case, best case scenario is we win like 30 nothing, and we see Jacoby Brissett play because we're beating so bad. See, I would see the opposite. I'd be like, let's win 9-7 to seven so the coaches have something to rail them about and being like, you're not good, you're not good, you're not good. And then we also bubble wrap Terry because, you know, style points don't mean anything. But, I, yes, I'm being facetious. As if well. they should not play Terry, I don't think they are either. 
I don't think they are at this point. It's getting too dicey. My, now the question comes on, how much does this linger? I, if Assuming we win, I wouldn't play him in Denver either. And then his first game back, selfishly, uh, would be week three. Uh, but that gives him like five, six weeks to heal his toe. And if you remember two years ago, Gibson against Pittsburgh, seamlessly like harmless play, f up his toe and got turf toe. And he wasn't oh, right the rest of the year. Did he not play the rest of the season? I don't think he- I remember him. I remember him did, missing yes. a few games and like coming back and not being very good. I was going to say uh, that the games he did play looked like he was walking around with a piano in his pocket. So yeah, I've never seen an NFL team openly tank like the Cardinals are doing. I mean, they're not it's even incredible. Trying. I. Uh, so trading players for picks. I mean, they're not even trying to hide. It's it. funny because in our preseason preview, like the over under win total, I said, Arizona is a sneaky over at four, at four and a half or five and a half. And I'm like, they're not as bad as you think they are. No, they are. No, they are. They, they are. They, 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 are, they knew something I didn't know and that they were tanking and they were just kind of playing, you know, playing possum. Uh, it also came out today that Ertz probably isn't going to play in week one. That's not surprising. <laughs> He's, he was rehabbing for like all off season. Like that yeah, was but no, Ertz, no, no, I mean, Murray obviously can't, isn't playing. Can't wait no to McCoy. see who's going to throw the ball to Hollywood Brown. Cause like you said, Cartoon Network or Josh Dobbs. Cause that's about it. I was, I was stunned by that one. I shouldn't have been. Cause I saw Colt McCoy was moonlighting for like fantasy football networks. And I was like, don't you play football? And like, usually you don't do that. So like that should have not come as a big surprise to me, but you know, so here's the bigger question. All right. You start off with, you start off with, um, with, with Arizona, you start off, then you've got Denver the next week. I am, I, I don't think Denver's going to be very good. I think there's a big part of me that thinks that Sean, the Sean Payton is a little overrated and he feels like, you know, one of those coaches that like he's been trading on his name, but not without the quarterback. I, he doesn't have Drew Brees anymore. Anyway, this schedule sucks. This schedule really, yeah, not, really, really sucks. Really sucks. Yeah, I mean, it's not great, but it's just because we have to play the AFC East and everyone in the AFC East is good, except for I don't think New England's that good. Uh, but it's also Belichick. Uh, I don't. But like, yeah, Arizona, Denver, I agree with you. I don't think they're that good. Then comes Buffalo. Buffalo is going to be a bit of an eye-opening. Ron's going to call it a measuring stick, stick type game. Uh, Buffalo is still going to be really, really good this season. They're going to be very that's my good. Point. They're, they're going to come in and like. Also, they might have a chip on their shoulder because they haven't won the Super Bowl yet. You know, they could be really fired up. Philly, they're so good. Uh, I hate how good Philly is. Um, so you don't buy that they're going to take a step because I think they're going to take a step back. I hope so. Well, I mean, last year you said they were going to be amazing, and I told you you're full of shit, and I was totally wrong. Uh, so very possible. Uh, but then we have a little breather. Like Chicago's not very good. Chicago's uh, not going to be good. I'm. I was. I was bare. No pun intended. Fields is good, but like bearish not, they don't on them. Me. And who? I said Fields is good, but like they still don't scare me. That team is a mess. They're a mess right now. I am, and there's. I, I just the. I, I I didn't like their win total at six and a half before, and I dislike it even more. I I I don't think they're going to be very good. I yeah. think it's pretty awful. Atlanta, Atlanta stinks. My hot yeah, I, Atlanta weird, still has that weird. They have a weird home field advantage in Atlanta, so like that's my only coin flip. But that's just me being a pessimist. No, we Fuck beat the them with he- with Heineke in, in in Atlanta. We'll beat them yeah. without. You're not wrong. The Giants, I think, are my my NFL take is the Giants are not going to be very good. Then things get dicey because then you got Philly again. They are the defending champs, but that might be a good thing based on the history of the, <laughs> the NFC East. Uh, then you have at New England, at Seattle, a game which I'll go to. Uh, reprieve with New York, but then you're at Dallas, at my or home against Miami. The only cap at only LA, at New Miami York comes to DC, and it's cold weather. And cold weather teams traditionally don't do well as well. Also, also two is probably like in 
fucking concussion protocol by a hundred. No, I took jujitsu this off season. He knows how to fall down now. Yeah, please give me a break. No idea what the uh, Rams will be. They could be good. They could be bad. But the then Jets, I think the Jets are the real deal. Oh, the Jets, Cleveland, the Jets, San Francisco, and Dallas. Yes, okay. think about that. Jets, 49ers, Cowboys to end the season. That That's sucks. Tough. Yeah, it's tough. So we need to, we need to be like we need to be like ten and four. And that's why, like, if this team finishes seven and ten, it's not a good record, but it's not as indicative of how good or bad they are. If that you know, I mean, I think that makes some sense at some level. Like, it's just this schedule sucks. You have to anticipate the injuries. You have to anticipate the total lack of depth on the offensive line. Like it, it. That's why I, we were, my friend John and I were struggling so badly to see if this team would win more than seven games or six and a half was their over under. It's not me being the E or six, six and a half is the over under. Six and a half was the over under. Oh, there are odds. Happy. There's like plus fourteen hundred odds of Washington being the worst team in the league, which is preposterous. Let me be as abundantly clear as possible. We, look, we we can hate on Ron all we want, especially around the offensive line, but the team's built pretty well. We're this not is the thing I kept going back to, and a bunch of other people who have kind of picked Washington as a little bit of sleepery potential. They were eight, eight, and one last year with Carson Wentz and Taylor Heineke, and this yeah. team did not regress in the offseason. Yeah. You're telling they they were five, literally five hundred last year with Carson Wentz starting seven games. Man, he sucked. He really sucked. We've had some breathtakingly terrible quarterbacks in Washington, and Carson Wentz is right up there with them. I remember two things. One, I remember doing a preseason pod like this, being like, all we need is for him to be okay and play like mm-hmm. he did in Indianapolis, and mm-hmm. we'll go to the playoffs. Yep, I said the same he thing. Didn't do any, he didn't do any of that. I he remember did it for week, a quarter and a half. I remember, I remember quarter and a half against the Jaguars. Yeah, I remember week one, we scored our opening drive of the season, touchdown. Second drive, went down field. Touchdown, both touchdown passes. And then the third drive. First one to first one was to Thomas or Samuel, excuse me, Curtis Samuel. The second one was to Dotson. And I remember texting you, Wince is the truth. Mm-hmm. And it all just spiraled. <laughs> I think literally his third drive, he threw an interception. And then he tried to throw us out of the game again in the third quarter. And that's when, you know, and that's when he like Ron gave him the game ball and he's like, you know, I, I made it hard on you guys. So thanks for bailing me out and all of that. And then then, then just the, the all the, I mean, now in his defense, his line completely let him down the second game against Detroit that I've railed about for God knows how long. And then he got us in and I think we threw an interception or maybe the defense, nothing was a defense collapsed because we cut the lead to 28, 21. We got, we got all the way down and then that's when Swift fell down, got up and ran for touchdown. And then there was the Amon Ross St. Brown jet sweep that went for like 50. Cause I think it was Forrest blew his coverage responsibility and that like that that just basically put the game away and then there's a couple of other stink bombs like he somebody did this great youtube breakdown where like he had a couple of he had a few moments in the cowboys game at dallas where he kind of put us into it and then he just chucked us right back out of it again like the one he had a throw he had a throw i mean he had a couple throws where you're like okay that's why nfl people love you the touchdown to terry uh in the third quarter of the jaguars game we haven't had a quarterback who can make that yeah yeah um he also threw a touchdown in the Dallas game to Dotson in the back corner with a dot. Head touch. Uh, like yes. Dotson won. It was a beautiful throw. But then he also had a bazillion throws where I'm like, dude, what are you doing? The 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 the, the Thursday night game where he broke his thumb against the Bears was like an affront to football on from both ends. Like that was that set offensive yeah, football yeah. back like fifty years. Yeah, but we won. So yeah, to your seven. point, that's all that matters. Nine seven. Right. All right. 
I am looking forward to doing this for much for many more Sundays this upcoming season as we go 17 and 0 for uh for the 2023 year. Uh Pat, thank you so much for doing this. Yes. Um, thank you so much for listening. Excited to keep this up and keep the gravy train rolling. So uh please tune in. Thank you for listening to the Hales of the District Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts.